Welcome to the exciting world of television, a wholly new field for you to begin to learn in. Sound a little excited, James. Sound less excited, Roger. That's why we're redoing it, because of what you did. It's Thriller Week on Cisco and Ebert at the movies, and we've got three it's new ones. And the movies, not at the movies. And that's why we're doing it this time. How, how do you think it's it went scary. without Gene tonight? Nobody interrupted me, except for you. Yeah. But Gene, now I look miss, at... I miss Gene. Gene looking down on I this tonight is every... saying to himself, Ha-ha, you see? You need me down there, you lousy bastard. I do, I do. Anyone who would download or listen to a movie podcast like this one or any other movie podcast knows now that legendary movie critic and Chicago Sun-Times writer Roger Ebert passed away this afternoon. The Chicago Sun-Times announced that this afternoon on Twitter. And much to our dismay, this news came rather suddenly, even though Roger Ebert himself wrote in his final online journal entry that he would be taking what he called a leave of presence and would be writing selected movie reviews, fewer movie reviews, as he put it, because his health had taken a turn for the worse, as it were, and the cancer which he had been fighting for such a long time of the latter part of his life had sort of come back in his body. And little did we know that things were as dire as they were, given the fight that he had fought for so long up to this point. And just two days later, we got the news that he passed away. And obviously, we've seen just an outpouring of condolences and tributes in mere hours since the news was announced, Corey. But I just want to get your reaction to it as soon as you heard it and now that you've had some time to think about it well you know i i got the news when i was about halfway through one of the movies we're talking about today olympus has fallen and uh you know i wrote some thoughts uh, that i published on on my blog at the tuscaloosa news but but there's something fitting i think about that getting that news in that setting you know when i'm seeing a movie to review on this podcast and you know really the only reason that I even do this and the only reason I think that a generation of film writers do this is because they were inspired in their love of movies and their love of writing by in no small part by Roger Ebert you know you, there are some other influential critics as well but I think that Ebert being the critic with the most presence and the most well the most presence in pop culture for sure uh, and the most likely to be syndicated in your local newspaper and the most likely to be seen on television, you know, there's something about that sort of opened up this world of, of film analysis and, and just love of the movies to, you know, a generation of people our age and older. And, and the fact is, you know, apart from him being one of the most exposed critics, you read his writing and it's quite clear he was one of the best, one of the very best. He's the winner of the Pulitzer Prize for film criticism and for or for criticism, and uh, he deserves it. And his writing, is just day in and day out, when he still wrote regularly and, and just on any subject and any film, any film he loved, any film he didn't love, it's just captivating. And it's just, um, 
a truly inspirational voice, I think, that we, we've lost today. You know, and I think it's fitting on Tuesday, in a way, what he wrote on his journal, because, I mean, in a sense, he wrote his own obituary. Right. He looked back throughout his life and recalled how long he had been writing and his love of films and how he was sorry that he had to stop writing as much as he has been in the latter part of his career. But honestly, what a beautiful way to go out, to be frank. And maybe he knew some. Obviously, he probably knew something that we did not. And his own obituary that he essentially wrote is even better than anyone that anyone else out there could. And you're seeing these moving tributes by film critics like Scott Tobias has a really nice one out there now. I just I see now that Todd McCarthy has one up for The Hollywood Reporter, and I'm sure we'll see many, many more. You can find them locally even, because like you said, this is a guy who, you know, he, he, he tapped into movies unlike anybody, and he, he was able to reach mainstream audiences through film criticism like nobody has been able to uh, since he was, he and his colleague on television, obviously Gene Siskel with the Chicago, Chicago Tribune were able to do. And I think about the first time I was exposed to Roger Ebert. And I, today, obviously, I've been trying to think back to what that was, and it was probably was via television. You know, I, I grew up, obviously, as a film fan. My dad was a big film fan, and he, he noticed that Obviously, we had that gene, too, my brother Graham and I, and he knew that we loved watching movies, but we loved watching people talk about movies and reading people talk about movies. And he showed us the show Sneak Previews with Michael Medved and Jeffrey Lyons, which was unheard of when we were kids, these two guys on television talking about movies. But then after we had seen a few episodes of that show, we came upon Siskel and Ebert. We finally were exposed to them, and we saw that there was this better version of that kind of broadcast and it was just it was great not just because they were talking about movies but because of their chemistry and because of their knowledge and these were guys who were like us but you know we were younger they just had that kind of interest in it and so it was good to see sort of some of your own kind with shared interests on television and you grew up and it became Ebert and Roper and that was a little less available in Tuscaloosa anyway. I think at some point it started playing on like Saturday morning at 2 a.m. or Sunday morning at 2 a.m. and that, that would be infrequent. But I think back to their Tonight Show appearances where he would they would appear together and on Letterman, too. They were hilarious. They had incredible interplay. Uh, their tempers with each other, obviously, that has been immortalized now with this YouTube video of them sort of taking shots at each other during just a basic promo for their show. And it's hilarious, but awfully telling at times. But you think about his reviews, too. I mean, every single Friday... Up to this point, honestly, every single Friday, it was a routine of mine to go to RogerEbert.com or ChicagoSunTimes.com slash Ebert and read what he had to say about new releases because this is a guy who just had the passion early in his life. He won a Pulitzer Prize relatively, relatively early in his career, I guess you could say, and he never lost the passion for it. He never lost the drive to continue writing about it and... I mean, the volume of what he wrote and the quality of what he wrote just grew as he got older and as he became afflicted with cancer and these other physical ailments. And because of that, I think he's so much more of an inspiration professionally. Personally, I would say he's an inspiration. He's just so, he's so much bigger than just a film critic. And I mean, he had so many great things to say about movies, but I just think, yeah, as a writer, as somebody who just wants to be better not only writing, but just, you know, having something to say and being honest about movies and fair. 
I think he's an amazing figure. You know, I look to his books, to the great movies, his autobiography that he released not too long ago. There's just so much out there. And even reviving at the movies with Michael Phillips and A.O. Scott, it was just good to see that he still cared about it and he still cared enough to give folks like that, people who we respect as fans and as critics, a chance to go back on television and talk seriously about movies. Yeah, and his writing, especially in the latter part of his career, after he experienced the difficulties and with his first, with the cancer that he had, I guess was diagnosed with in 2006, lost his jaw, lost his ability to speak, and and just the, the personal essays and blog entries that followed that in the last, I guess, eight or so years were always really still entertaining, sometimes very moving, always warm and and uh, perceptive and and just he was a real it's a real writer's writer I guess you can say but but not only in in the way that you know he inspired as as a film critic but also just as as a man and as a good person uh, you could you could read the warmth and and that's why I mean I think that's why this hits people so hard even though so few of us ever had the chance to meet him or, or actually even interact with him just you, you get to know what kind of person he was through his writing. He was such an intimate writer and such a uh, seemingly good person through the writing that he did. It's it's just it's a tough loss. Yeah, it really is. This one actually really hurts today. Yeah, it does. It does. And, you know, you think about names like Pauline Kyle, mm-hmm. Andrew Saris. Ebert's got to be up there, right? I mean, he's in the pantheon of film critics. Just... Not- just- for the sake of bringing it to the people, I would think. Yeah, and not just because he's the most famous either. Right. Because he established himself as that because of his the forum, I guess, that he had mm-hmm. at one point being on television, even though it was public television for a while. The quality was there too. I right. mean, this guy, the like you said, being a writer's writer, it just didn't. It, honestly, it didn't get any better. And you know, it would be fun for me to read his reviews and see all of the different like factual things he would get wrong in his, in his reviews. Um, just like character names or just like very minor things. That became something I look forward to. But God knows, as long as he's been doing it, how much goodwill do you need to earn to where you can get away with something like that? I mean, just the fact the fact of the matter is, like, even if you disagree with what he says about any movie, and and I often did personally, it's still just a pleasure to read. It's still just a, a really perceptive, more often than not, piece of film writing. And it's not like... He was ever baseless with his film criticism. Uh, more often than not, there were a couple times I think, infamously, that people seemed to think that he just he got it totally wrong. But more often than not, I'd say that that he backed his uh, his thoughts up. And even if I didn't agree with it, it's just it's one of those things that's just a the the pleasure of the prose is so strong that you you can't help but just keep coming back for more. Yeah, and he taught you lessons that way too. If you have an argument for something ridiculous. Back it up. Yeah. Write it out. You know, convince people. And I don't know that I know anybody else on earth who would give The Cell four stars or Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets four stars. But Ebert was that guy. And I mean, you might feel that way too, Corey. But I'm just saying, like, he would come out with these outrageous four star reviews yeah. for things. And you would just think, what in the hell is this man thinking or smoking? Or- I mean, sometimes, though, that, that takes you. You know, when I read those things after I see a movie and I just I don't like it and see that he really did like it and really did find something to value in it, it it almost causes you to do, you know do a double take and think, well, what what is it that I 
didn't like and you know maybe there is some value here that I overlooked and it's just the strength of the writing and the strength of the arguments draw you to sort of I guess rethink your own position and figure out why you feel the way you feel even if you don't agree with it and even if you're not going to change your mind just I, I guess in opposition you become uh, a stronger uh, critic by by learning how to make the the counter argument and, and that's one thing that I think is is valuable about this show about what we do it, you know especially when we disagree finding out why we disagree and 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 sort of making the case to one another even if neither of us will you know change our minds there's still something valuable in that and and I think Ebert did that to I don't know, a generation of people causing them to, to think about movies in a critical way and, and a generation of filmmakers uh, whose careers he bolstered with positive reviews and, and you know indie filmmakers who, whose films he championed and got exposure to. You know, think about something like Hoop Dreams uh, in 1994, which would not be the institution, the documentary institution that it is now if not for the single-handed uh, advocacy of Roger Ebert. Or you know countless other movies like that, you know his his word makes or breaks reputations. If you think back to his infamous uh, Brown Bunny review and his his uh, tiff with uh, Vincent Gallo, you know you know say what you will about the Brown Bunny, but you don't see Vincent Gallo for whatever reason making more movies. I guess as a as an artistic presence these days, I wouldn't say that's entirely because of Roger Ebert, but it's it you know he brings. Or he brought the attention to these uh, these little movies for good or ill, and for mostly for good, almost entirely mostly for good, uh, and and really made people's careers. Yeah, and anybody who writes movie reviews, be it on a blog or for a newspaper, anybody who hosts a movie podcast or a video cast and puts something on YouTube these days, they don't owe just something to Roger Ebert. They owe a lot, yeah, to Roger Ebert, and he will truly be missed. And we're going to do something a little differently this week. We usually have parting shots at the end of the show. But while we're on this topic of Roger Ebert and paying tribute to this man, we want to invite our AspectRadioFilmNerds.com colleagues to share a few thoughts on the passing of Roger Ebert. For Film Nerds and Aspect Radio, this is Graham Flanagan in New York. Today we all got the sad news that film critic Roger Ebert passed away due to complications from his ongoing cancer struggle. It's hard to put into words what a huge loss this is for the film criticism community and even the film community itself. I've been a fan of Ebert since my early teens when I first got internet access and suntimes.com slash Ebert quickly became one of the four or five websites I checked on a regular basis. It's obvious that Ebert, along with his former partner Gene Siskel, made movie criticism popular and no doubt inspired thousands of the movie critics that we read each day via Rotten Tomatoes and now Twitter. But the thing I'll appreciate the most was his willingness to find the good in all types of movies. He would rhapsodize about dumb action movies with the same amount of passion that he would bestow on the most austere Ingmar Bergman movie. That, to me, is the key to being a solid and trustworthy critic. You have to be willing to like anything. You can't turn your nose up at material that seems at face value to be too dumbed down or mainstream. The same Ebert who inexplicably gave Under Siege Dark Territory a glowing review is the same guy who wouldn't shut up about how great Synecdoche, New York was. If your spectrum of cinematic interest doesn't mirror that of Roger Ebert, then just hang it up. You're not the real thing. Roger Ebert certainly was. I think his greatest lasting contribution will be his Great Movies book series, which should be required reading for any young cinephile in training. My only disappointment for Ebert 
is that he lived his entire life without understanding or appreciating the majesty of M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. Ebert foolishly and irresponsibly lambasted the modern masterpiece on The Tonight Show and in his own review. I think that if he gave it another chance, he might come around. Let's just hope they have Netflix and movie heaven. For Film Nerds and Aspect Radio, this is Graham Flanagan in New York. Hey, this is Craig in Nashville with a parting shot on yesterday's big announcement of the passing of the legendary film critic Roger Ebert. And though my opinions on particular films never really lined up that well with Roger Ebert's. It was the publication of his and Gene Siskel's top 10 list from 1969 through 1998 that I was able to peruse to find ideas on old films that I needed to watch that I hadn't seen before. And that was a really good source to find that. I was able to watch a a, a lot of good movies that way, especially the 1985 Holocaust documentary Shoah, which was excluded from his top ten list because it was so good that it belonged in an upper echelon in and of itself. But what I appreciate most about what Roger Ebert left behind is his wonderful and insightful commentary on Orson Welles' Citizen Kane, which is an absolute must-see for any film fan. He goes scene by scene explaining all the hidden little gems and nuances within the film itself and gives backstory and meaning to the making of the film and what was happening at the time of the making of the film. And Ebert sheds light on a lot of the new and innovative things Orson Welles was doing to make this film. All the little breakdown of sets and optical illusions and cool things done with the lenses and the special effects. He sheds light on all of that and it's an incredible thing to go revisit and it's, I think, the, the best thing Roger Ebert did. Hey guys, it's Ben Stark up here in Huntsville. I just wanted to weigh in quickly on the passing of Roger Ebert. It's uh, tremendously sad. I guess nobody is extremely surprised since he has been struggling with uh, health problems for seems like the last decade or so. But along with everybody else on the planet Earth, I think, at least in our generation, Roger Ebert was my introduction to kind of film analysis long before film school or long before the internet or or just kind of DVD commentaries. I grew up reading Roger Ebert reviews in my local newspaper. He was the only uh, film critic that I could ever remember getting published in the Huntsville Times. And one thing that I think is always going to be Roger Ebert's legacy, at least to me, is his ability to watch a film on the film's own terms. He could rate The Phantom as many stars as something like Casino, or he just had a, a knack for seeing a film what the film was going for, and then judging it based on that, rather than going in with preconceived notions. He really is a a legend. Uh, I don't think anybody is going to dispute his place uh, among film criticism, and I don't think film criticism is going to be the same without him. So, R.I.P. Reeb. Hey guys, this is Matt Scalisi from FilmNerds.com, and this is my parting shot. The loss of Roger Ebert this week means a lot to the film community at large both in America and throughout the world, but it also means a lot to me personally. I remember reading Roger Ebert's reviews in the newspaper when I was a small kid, 
mostly wanting to see what he thought of the movies that I like, but I began reading his reviews for just about every new release every week, and it got me interested in some movies that I probably never would have seen otherwise. That escalated from reading about new releases to reading what Roger Ebert and other critics had to say about some of the classic films, and it pretty much snowballed from there into me turning into a full-blown film nerd. The fact is, I would never have written about movies if it weren't for Roger Ebert. I probably wouldn't have even cared all that much about movies if it weren't for Roger Ebert. Ebert was a huge influence to me and many others like me, not only as a writer, but as an appreciator of great art. If you believe, like I do, that movies are capable of changing people's lives, then Roger Ebert should be responsible for changing a number of lives for the better after recommending to so many folks so many great movies that they probably never would have had a chance to see otherwise. I hope everyone takes a chance to go to rogerebert.com sometime this week or check out one of his many books from your local library and get a sampling of just how sharp, quick-witted, and economical a writer Ebert truly was. While we no longer have Roger Ebert to weigh in on the latest releases, his massive catalog of reviews, books, and interviews will be available to us thanks to the internet for a very long time. It's hard to think off the top of my head of a more important and significant figure in the American cinema than Roger Ebert. He will be missed and he added a lot to what myself and the Aspect Radio guys care so much about and that's a dialogue about film. For FilmNerds.com, I'm Matt Scalisi. That's it for this special show. Next week we'll be back with our annual memo to the Academy and that's next week. Until then, the balcony is closed. Going to rent a movie in 1996? Then you'll want the brand new 1996 edition of Roger Ebert's Video Companion. It comes with a separate pocket video guide.